today we're here with Beth uh, Wagner, is that? Yeah. Yeah, I got it right for once. All right, so we first met Beth uh, at the first Art Walk of uh, Chicago Local Voices um, summer season, and uh, we did the Pilsen Art Walk. And so naturally, I basically pick a district, and I pick a route, and then I call all the local businesses to find out who's cool. And that's a great way for me to discover cool people. And so I was put in touch with Beth, who generously offered a uh, $25 gift card. But not only that, she, Beth, you mentioned that uh, near your restaurant, Honky Tonk Barbecue, uh, right across there's a, an old convent, which uh, you use as an event space. And so you offered to kind of show us, show the group around. And so that's how we met. We met the restaurant and then uh, kind of you and your fam kind of guided us over to your convent, which is kind of cool. Um, and so we, uh, I kind of told you about the podcast and you were always high on my list, people mm. to interview, because cool. I knew you were quite the character. Cool. <laughs> so here you are. <clears throat> well, thank you. Yeah. So Beth, the character, um, you know, we're going to start from the top, like everybody. Uh, where were you born? East Dallas, Michigan. My father was uh, in charge of a couple, three, light, a couple, three, you can tell them at Southside, or a couple, three lighthouses. And uh, right now it's a beautiful um, uh, park right now, like a state park. But at the time it was very remote. <clears throat> they hunted their food, made jackets out of their rabbits. They were funny people. Who's they? My mom and my dad. <laughs> So you were like born to a family of hunters? Kind yeah, of thing? yeah, definitely. Okay, and definitely. Uh, what did you, uh, what were you like when you were young? Oh, I was pretty shy, read a lot of books, missed a lot of life reading books and being in a, another world. I always had a lot of animals. And I had a family that was really into hunting and camping and the outdoors, so uh, I was pretty lucky. I grew up right across from Lincoln Park Zoo which was kind of like having a whole, you know, forest near me and uh, with a lagoon and, and really cool people because there was a lot of uh, people that lived in the park at the time, which some really they lived in the park, lived in the park, some really interesting people. There was one woman, her name was Elizabeth. <clears throat> and when I was a teenager, I, I, I just, thought she was so interesting she had she lived alongside the lagoon and she kept it so neat it was like a house without walls and I thought what a great idea you know why would why do we have to live with walls and I talked to her all the time and one day she said to me well it's time for me to move to Florida and I was like to Florida she said oh yeah I go down to Florida it's nice and warm down there for the winter and she goes I live like this down in Florida so there were a lot of really interesting people that I met that were a lot of people think some of these people are homeless, but really they're wanderers. Yeah. In the summer in Chicago, there's quite a few tents, people camping out, uh, mm -hmm. enjoying it. So you, yeah. your family moved from Michigan to Chicago when you were young, right? right? They were actually from Chicago, and so when I was a couple years old, we came back to Chicago. So okay. I'm pretty much been here my whole life. Yeah, so you grew up right across Lincoln Park Zoo. Yeah. Which is, was, was it always free, Lincoln it Park Zoo? It was always free. It's always been always free, that's free. great, yeah, so. You got to know it pretty well. And would you go? How often would you go into Lincoln? Oh, I went to Lincoln Park Zoo all the time. Yeah. My grandpa introduced me. There was a, <clears throat> uh, I mean, I knew the elephants, polar bears. I mean, when I'd walk in, Judy the elephant knew me. The uh, polar bear, Mike, 
he was my best buddy. And because those days you could bring in peanuts and marshmallows. So you could get to be really good friends with animals. And uh, my grandpa was, it was really important to him, you know, that I was good with animals, I think. And, uh, you know, he, he died when I was six, but I think back and I think, wow, he just changed my whole life and my whole view. You know, the children are really changed when they're like, three, four, five, that that really has a big impact on somebody, what they learn. And I spent a lot of time at Lincoln Park Zoo. So that kind of turned you into who you are today? And, yeah. Um, so when did you, I guess, what was the next step? Was it the, the, the traveling zoo that you ended up launching or was it the barbecue? Oh, Just, no. What was the next uh, step in your chapter from there? Well, what? I worked when I was older. I worked at Lincoln Park Zoo when I was in my early 20s and I worked on the traveling zoo bus. And then uh, I tried to start a catering business. Well, I didn't try. I ended up with a catering business for like 20 years. And then, um, and then when I moved down to Pilsen, I always had all these animals. And everybody would say, well, bring the animals over. Bring them over to my school. Bring them over to this birthday party. And um, I just started doing that again. I mean, it was actually kind of... I was forced into it by other people. <laughs> they want they, your pets were cute. Yeah, they, they just always wanted to see, you know, because I always shared my animals with everybody. And uh, and at the time I had a catering business and uh, Park West Catering. And then I, um, I did the animals for a long time, uh, since 1990. And then uh, I met my husband. And, uh, and then I quit my business doing catering because... I just thought oh, I could do better with animals and cater just to my husband, okay, for a long time. And I guess that's the key to why I'm still married to him. <laughs> and then he wanted to start a barbecue restaurant. And uh, so that's where we're at right now with Honky Tonk Barbecue over mm -hmm. on 18th and Racine. And so, yeah, I still do animal shows, though. I don't know, yeah. I don't know if I could ever give that up. So... So where did that start? I'm curious. I always want to know what people study. Did you study some kind of like zoology or something to do with animals yeah, in, in um, college? Yeah. When I was in college, you know, animal behavior was a, um, it, it, it was like a field that people just didn't want to really look at. And I think it's really interesting because right now things are changing really fast. And I, I wonder how COVID had an effect on this because... Um, so many new papers, so many new ideas, so many new animals being found, so many new theories. And uh, when I was in college in the in uh, like the 70s um, and you took animal behavior, it, it was a big sin to like talk about animals communicating. It was like that's anthropomorphizing and you shouldn't do that. And now just recently, just this last year, there's been a lot of new research that shows that animals do communicate, duh, of course. I mean, you know what your dog is saying when he wants to go out or when he wants, I mean, I don't know why that wouldn't be with other animals. And um, so the new theory is that animals not only communicate, but they also have culture. And, you know, culture is something that you build over generations. So when an animal does something that one generation did and then they followed into the second generation, that is like developing culture. and. And a good example of it that I just uh, saw just recently was this chimpanzee that put um, grass in her ears. And then um, two generations later, they're still putting grass in their ears, like as a decoration. 
And you know what? Think about it. Humans were so bad at listening. Think about it for just a second. We're so bad at listening to each other. Of course, we don't know what animals are saying. But, you know, I live with animals all the time. And they say a lot of different things, even sometimes in your dreams. Mm, so there's not a language. Like, is there like a, a kind of like a very simple version of a language that they have animals? Like, it's like certain sounds means certain things. And that's just well, every understood. Animal's, every animal's different. And, and, you know, in my zoo, um, I have all different species because I usually get animals that people can't care for anymore. So I have everything from chinchillas and hedgehogs and baby chicks to, you know, pigs. We just had three baby pigs born. I've got snakes. I've got an armadillo, an anteater, an owl, a sloth. Um, so, I mean, you couldn't really have one language that would fit all of them. But I think that one of the things is it's just like children. You have to be very de uh, dependable, very uh, predictable in the way that you're going to move or the way that you're going to act. Uh, you can't rush things, those kinds of things. I mean, it takes you to a different level. But uh, I have to say that I've had some really weird experiences where animals have like definitely communicated with me. I had, um, and I think this one is like so ridiculous, but this pig I had stopped eating and he lived with a macaw, a blue and gold macaw. They were best buddies. And um, when, and the macaw stopped eating and I was like, something's really wrong. Why are they both not eating? And we did everything. We took, uh, we realized it was the pig that was the problem. We took the pig to like three different vets. We took the macaw to a different vet. I mean, we had everything tested, everything. We could not figure out what it was. It's like the third day and the pig still hasn't eaten. And uh, that night I had a dream and in the dream, the pig came to me, and by the way, he had like a Brooklyn accent, and um, he said to me, he goes, I got something stuck in in my mouth, you know, like the way he said it, like with, I, I'm not really good at accents, but he had like a New York accent, okay? And I like, when I woke up, I called my neighbor, and I said, "We, I think I figured out what's wrong. And we put the pig in like, you know, we strapped the pig down and we opened the pig's mouth and there was a mango seed stuck in the roof of his mouth, exactly in the roof of his mouth. Now, how, how would I have gotten that message? Well, first of all, it's not like he worked voodoo to like get into your dreams. Um, you know, that's another whole other question. But I mean... Yeah, that's one of those miracles. But I think that they communicate, you know, that they do. Well, you also, your soul got a kind of a vibe from him, like, and then you started having your own subconscious ideas about what it could be, and that produced itself in a dream, I think, where... You think so? Yeah, so you subconscious... I think a, a big part of the animal communication, I'm no expert, but I think it's a lot of it's, like, feeling each other, you know, like, kind of like using the intuition of, like... Like you're kind of like an, a little kid expressing yourself without words, but you still understand what the baby wants. You know what I mean? Like uh, uh, any mom would understand. I, I don't know how I'm talking about this as if I would understand. <laughs> I'm obviously not a mother, but like a mom knows what her kid wants, even when a kid can't put it into words. You know what I mean? So like animals communicate very similarly. But what if they did communicate on a completely different level? I mean, that well, that would require possible. language, you know, like to be really articulate and to 
But really, is, is that um, superior attitude that we have language that's different than theirs? When, when you see animals actually helping each other out, I mean, what if they are, they've been here longer than us. I mean, we're just like the little babies on earth. Okay, they've been here for, you know, millions and millions of years longer. Maybe they communicate without words. They do, they do. Um, you know, they they can't build airplanes or boats or anything like that. I mean, that, that's the power of, uh, um, you know, really articulate language and then writing is such a powerful thing to be able to write so i think you probably can find times where they found animals it seems like they're writing or something i mean they definitely they can make marks on their environment but like to the degree that we've created uh written language is like a way that we've passed on knowledge you know i mean <laughs> this is getting really abstract <laughs> um well i think that um some of them are uh actually caretakers of a part of the world in that case yes they are animals are very important to their environments that they're in you know i mean like you take a, a, any species out of the environment it's going to have like a huge uh kind of like a domino effect like, on right. everything else in yeah. the environment uh and definitely we humans could do a better job uh, not being, being so destructive yeah being uh, stewards of our environment and, and appreciating it and i think one part of that is, you know, seeing the environment, the, the nature as a, a source of uh, of joy and release. Like, I think I haven't been doing this enough lately, but doing like a once a month kind of like trip into the woods, into the, like going hiking or doing like a day trip in, in nature, like really in nature, not just driving through nature. Um, I think that's something that more of us need to prioritize. I think I, I haven't been doing enough of that, but I want to do some nature hikes and state parks and stuff. And I think all of us could get back to that. It's crazy how... And you know what that requires, too, is listening. I mean, you have to listen when you go out. When you're out in just the the nature, the world of nature, you know, you really have to listen. And I think that's one thing that human beings were a little short on. Listening. Yeah, we have so much distractions, uh, and then a lot of us live in cities, you know. And uh, you know, there's nature in cities. There's very yeah. you have to be very careful to notice it, but yeah. it is there. Um, what do you think about uh, you know accepting animals in our city? Because at some points, you know, we we get really frightened. You know, we shouldn't have coyotes, or we shouldn't have. Um, you know, there was a big cat that was in the in Chicago a couple times. There were some big cats that were found in Chicago, and people were like really freaked out because they saw them. But was that a bad thing? I mean, couldn't we live, you know, kind of with them? I mean, couldn't we be more accepting of raccoons in our backyard and possums in our tree? And well, you know, sometimes it it's a nice idea, but it turns into quite the problem and. <laughs> They're taking they're taking apart the trash, and you know there's been many what like uh, raccoon just infestations in cities where it becomes a huge problem. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough. It's You've tough. never met a raccoon. They so are the most amazing animals on the planet yeah. Earth. They're so curious, and they're so just brilliant about how they think. They're um, they're they're 
they made an estimate, and I think this estimate's really high, but this is like 10 years ago. They made an estimate that there were six million. There was a, a raccoon for every human in Chicago. There were six million raccoons, which I think is like really going overboard. But when you think you can see raccoons downtown Chicago, underground Wacker, um, you can see raccoons in Pilsen or in the North Side that they live among us and we hardly see them, but they're here, and that's a pretty interesting thing, isn't mm. it? Yeah. So. They're, are they nocturnal or what? Or... Yeah, they come out at night and they're they're very shy. They really don't want to. Yeah. Um, if, if raccoons were bad, actually, we we'd see a lot more press about that. You know, because mm. when coyotes came to uh, some of the parks on the south side, which I've seen coyotes many times, and you know, a lot of people don't see animals. That's the interesting thing, is that um, they're frightened almost because they. They'd never seen it before, or they didn't realize what it would look like when they saw it near them. Or, but animals are pretty much everywhere. I mean, we just need to make a little space for them so that they can thrive. Mm. Yeah, I mean, ideally, uh, we're making an amazing space in state parks, and you know, I think more of us just need to go enjoy that. And, um, but yeah, like I'm interested where this, where you found the other lovers of wildlife so so where would you be taking your traveling zoo like who are who are your main clients um well i go to festivals and libraries and schools and birthday parties and private events um I do about 500 600 shows a year so I'm what was the name of the company? scales and tails traveling zoo scales and tails traveling zoo yeah and so um we're Vendors for Chicago Park District and Chicago Public Schools and Chicago Public Libraries. You're saying this currently? You still yeah. do this? Yeah, I do this. And yeah. you're still going to schools? Yeah. With the, with I the, did, what does your caravan look yesterday. like? Like, what's like your wheels? Uh, it's just a Pacifica. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dodge Pacifica because actually the sloth likes to walk out. You know, like she's she's allowed like free reign in the truck, and the Pacifica has uh, these like special hooks that she can put her hooks into like these special holes where they had the, the where they would have like the camera the tvs and everything dropped out so she's like hanging on the roof usually well, how many animals are you fitting into the pacifica well you get to pick eight animals and usually i do like i don't know on the weekends i do three or four shows so you know it might be i don't know 12 or i don't know if you types of animals or like i'm wondering how many animals you can fit into a um, pacifica well it depends on if it's the big ones or are they all caged or not they're just like pre range yeah no no they're all caged yeah. except for the sloth <laughs> you can't you can't lock a sloth up they get real mad <laughs> so so the schools they just they like set up like a little like recess, lunchtime, hey, take a break, come see some animals. Oh, like, no, it's, uh, or it's like organized. when I go to schools, um, I usually work with the school uh, with what they're teaching the children. And we do a one-hour show, and the teachers pick which animals they'd like to see. We got a list of about 20 types of animals, and the teachers pick what they want to see. It might be about farm animals or habitat or rainforest or whatever, and then... I sit the children in a circle and I take the animals out one at a time. So each animal, you're learning something about each animal. So um, some of them you touch, some of them you hold, you know. Mm. 
some of them you race. So it's mostly you're working with like the science teachers who are like. No, I think uh, mostly I probably work with. There's the most funding in pre-K, Head Start, and kindergarten. Mm. So I would say I do that. But some schools I go and I do every grade at one time. Mm. I do a lot of special ed. Special ed is like I did not. And this year. Um, I love doing senior shows, and this year uh, they must have gotten a lot of funding <laughs> because I've been doing a lot of senior shows because they hadn't been out for so long. So seniors, there was a lot of what, how old seniors? Like mean? seniors, like at uh, uh, like specialty rehab facilities, you know, where seniors live. That yeah, like nursing homes. Nursing basically. homes. Yeah, you going to nursing homes yeah, with the I was animals? There. I was at two nursing homes this That's week, great. and I was at a festival this week, and I was at like probably five different schools and. Four different birthday parties. Have you seen uh, all those shows, like the Tiger King and all that stuff? I, you know what, I, I don't really want to watch a show about somebody who is really all about themselves. I, I feel like that, that was a, a damaging show, and the people that filmed that knew that he was a damage. You know, like he was going to damage the whole. Um, industry for animals and PETA was really behind that a lot of that with that funding with that and getting that organized and you know PETA may have uh, an agenda and I believe that their agenda is to make money uh, but I think that it's really important that we stay in touch with nature and meet animals to hold a baby chick in your hands whether you're a senior or a child is a very exciting thing mm. and I think that if you take that completely away and you make regulations that make people that actually do a good job with animals I've been in business for uh, 31 years I don't think I've ever had a mark on any of my uh, inspections you can look up my inspections online and they're 100 percent and um, I have animals that live way longer than at a zoo um, I have a anteater that's 17, a, a, uh, my sloth is in her late 30s, my, um, uh, my owl, which is a barn owl, he lives like four or five years, and um, he's like 16, 17 years old. I mean, you know, my animals are obviously taken care of. If, if I can take care of my animals, I should be able to own them, and a show like that is a way for people to uh, call attention to bad people but there are government facilities I get inspected all the time by the USDA by the state by the city of Chicago and um, as long as I'm complying to the regulations which I do then there should be no discussion about me doing this I if there is a discussion about how animals should not be held in captivity then we should also have a discussion about guns, cigarettes, alcohol. Well, zoos in general. I mean, zoos. Zoos. I mean, zoos uh, paint themselves as the great uh, defenders of conservancy. And if you really look at what they do, that is not the truth. If any of the people, like my animals are not uh, taken from the wild. My animals are captive bred. They're already in the system. There's already a, a lot of regulations in place right now which don't allow breeding over state lines. 
in the next 20 years you won't see cap you won't see exotic animals They're, they won't be around and i'm going to say this that there are some children and adults there are some children and adults that really need animals and a dog is not enough there are children that are uh, actually the way that children really become introduced to animals and become really an good animal people is you'll you'll meet a real animal kid that's got a bug with them and they're always with bugs and they're talking about bugs that's the first stage second stage is reptiles and they will have reptiles and reptiles and reptiles they'll have turtles love everything reptile and it's a stage for a true animal person the next stage you know sometimes people go into birds i just it, it took me maybe till I was in my 40s really to have more of an attraction to mammals because you just, it, it's almost like a life stage when you're into animals. And I, and I meet children all the time. I can tell the difference by what their interests are. You mm. know, some people say they're into animals. Oh, I really love bunnies. Or I really love sloths. And you ask somebody, why do you love a sloth? They have no no actual reason ask a kid who loves snakes why they love snakes and you will not shut that kid up ask them why they love bugs they will go on and on and on so they're you know this is the point of why I do shows is because it's important for children to be able to tap that mm. and make make them a better person what what can go wrong if you have animals what mm. you become more compassionate more empathetic yeah. more empathetic yeah i mean so. it's like not new i mean uh for in history we've always we always there's always been like the shamans you know but there's always also been like the the ones in society who are had a bit of that connection that special connection with yeah. animals yeah and those are the people who are able to kind of like not make miracles but like you know it's almost very impressive what kind of things what kind of relationship they can have they with can animals have, yeah and it's always been like one of the roles of society is someone who's like kind of like not the uh bee whisperer or whatever i don't even know i don't know what i'm saying but like something whisperer i don't even know but like basically someone who like yeah. talks to animals because they they they've developed that it's a skill and a talent and it, you know we need to be connected to animals why we would think that we should be completely disconnected from animals or nature it is beyond me i mean it that's what causes people to just cut down trees and we we had a really big beautiful area that was between roosevelt and chinatown and there were in that area there were fox coyote i went there all the time it was total wilderness um, the, the railroads came in there and it's by, um, between Clark and, um, uh, uh, Canal, Canal Street. And you could walk there for hours and you could see, um, uh, there were people that lived there that people call homeless. I don't know when they're going to rise up and change that name. Um, but they lived there and, um, even hunted the rabbits and everything, but you'd see coyote, owl, raccoons, possums. Now, right here, right downtown, okay? And I don't understand. They came in in October, in October, and took all, this is three years ago, took all of the trees down. Why would you do that to the animals that were mm. going to need to live there for the winter? How inconsiderate, how blind, how 
how were they not listening? What's there now? Or what's there... There's nothing there yet. I'm sure there's going to be, you know, another Target or another, you know, McDonald's mm. or more housing or, you know, mm. I, I don't know. I love the sign that they put up. There's a sign there after they took all of the trees down and it says we're building a community that's, you know, I, I can't remember exactly what it says, but it, it, it's like a fake, it's a fake community where they're going to do something with the river or whatever, make people think that they are living the good life. But I, I just, mm. I'm still, I, I can't look over there even. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. Cause like last week on the podcast, we had a, a soup kitchen director, right. And we started talking a bit about like affordable housing and like the need for more housing in the cities. So who knows? Maybe they're they knock down the forest to build affordable housing. Like, yeah, it's not but affordable. like at the same time, I think whatever whatever green spaces, forests that we have in our cities, like we should be we should declare those protected. You know, like right. We we should be very careful right now with the the kind of wild like natural areas that we do have because they're very rare. And if we if they've lasted this long and survived this long, right. Don't we should just we should Don't declare them, them as special places, you know. Okay, um, you know we we create these green belts. They were created two hundred years ago around the cities. Like if you you could see a green an example of a green belt is by uh, Palos Park. You know, like when mm. you're on fifty five. I mean, these are areas that. Um, the original plan was that animals could live in them and Indians could live in them. And, and I, I want to compare it to Indians for a minute because what we did with Indians is we said, um, you know what, you can't live down by uh, where we're living anymore, which they, you know, Chickagoo had marshes and there was good hunting. And, you know, Chickagoo, by the way, is Chicago's old name. That's what the Chicago. Indians, Chickagoo, and it meant stinky green onion and um and so we had all these marshes and everything so they were able to hunt and they were wandering people too like they would hunt in one area and go to a different area and an example of that is uh, the billy caldwell forest and that is by saugatuck and saugatuck is uh caldwell avenue peterson avenue um and it those that forest is Cook County uh, forest area. Okay, so they moved the Indians to this area. Okay, and this area was not enough to support their needs. There wasn't enough food. There wasn't the fresh water. There wasn't. It wasn't an area large enough to support their needs. So when you talk the same about animals, that well, they should live in this area. It's kind of goofy because. You could be an egret and you need fish. And there was an area along the um, 294 that had, you know, sometimes some years it had maybe 30 egret nests um, that you could see right from the expressway. And there was a marsh right there. I'm not sure what happened to the marsh, but there's no more egret nests there. So, you know, maybe the, the fish aren't there. I mean, you and I don't know because we're not listening. You and I don't really know, and maybe those animals, how, how do they survive in a limited amount of space without encroaching on our, what we would call encroaching on our space? Maybe we could also, like, accept that they live among us. Mm. That's, that's my point, is that if you're going to put them on a reservation, 
that's only a limited amount of space, that's not going to work because they have to move in order to get mm -hmm. more food or water, you know, to survive. Or even to live without having animals in the same group attack them because they're all competing. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, we look at the, the, uh, the green belts or we look at the Cook County forest preserves, which are wonderful, but then you have to think, do they provide enough for the animals that are needed to create the actual, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, blanking now. Circle of life. The circle of life. Because... Right. Because you know what? You need, in order to have everything work, you start with the mosquito. People always want to put the bear on the top, the carnivore, but it's the mosquito that feeds the bird, that feeds the, the next mm. animal, that feeds the next, you know what I mean? You have to have all of those things. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting uh, because it's like, what do we prioritize? You know, at the same time, we have a lot of problems in society as humans. We have our own problems to deal with. Like, should we be prioritizing other species to take over our cities? Like, that's where, that's where, like, yeah, it's unfortunate. Like, not every species, it's a tough world out there, as you know. Like, it's right. a, not priority. I didn't say prioritize them. I'm saying live, accept them, accept them. But yeah, I mean, accept, be acceptable of them. And uh, I get calls all the time. You know, I have a raccoon in my yard. Yeah, he lived there before you got there. <laughs> you know, but we just need to be able to be more accepting. And shouldn't we learn that to be accepting of other people? I mean, don't you start someplace? If you want to be able to be accepting of other people around, that includes the nature that's around us. Mm. And maybe we're having that issue because we're not that connected to nature. We're so self-centered but that's mm. being human that's part of being human well, i think it starts with the kids and i think what you're doing is great i mean uh exposing kids to that experience with a different animal that they never had a right. chance to come near and that might you never you never know that that those kinds of experiences might open them up to being just more open-minded adults oh, yeah. later on right so i think what you're doing is pretty powerful and i think that's one of the best ways to start exposing kids to these animal experiences um but i think you know, all of us could do a better job prioritizing like nature getaways because it's so powerful. Like my brother, I just talked to him, like he, he went hiking this weekend um, and he was just like, you know, he was just kind of like completely healed from like what, all his problems and stuff. Like, and I talked to another buddy today who just went hiking in like near Portland and like, um, yeah, like it, it's like amazing how healing it can be to get out in nature. So. You know, maybe one part of your business can be just taking these kids on hikes, like even yeah. even in, in Chicago area, Chicago well, land. Like speaking of that, I'm taking 20 employees every Fourth of July. We close the restaurant for four days, and we go up to a cottage that we had since 1942. My family owned it, and it's on a piece of property in Wisconsin by um, two rivers, Trivers, and um, it's so remote you never see a person. The, the water comes up out of the ground. You can drink it right out of the ground. I have like water that we drink right from a well. And, uh, but it literally comes up out of the ground because the, the water is so fresh mm. there. And it, it flows into a river that starts on our property and it starts with a big swimming hole. And then it goes down uh, to the Twin River. It goes down to um, Lake Michigan. And... Uh, when we go there, there's a lot of people that, that work for us that have never been in a situation like that outdoors. 
never like hiked and gotten, you know, you get mosquito bites and, you know, the grass hurts your legs if you don't have jeans. And, you know, we make like a real thorough list of what you need to bring so that you can have kind of a comfortable mm. trip. And, but I mean, I think it's really important. And I've brought 20 people to Costa Rica and took them on a tour that were employees also. Mm. And I think that travel is the one way that you open your mind to what is not you. Because when you come back from traveling, you realize what you are not. You say, wow, there's a gap there. And, and I want that to be, I want to add that to who I am. You know, whether you're, we went to, my daughter and I went to Morocco and it just was such an amazing experience. You really come back going, wow, I, I see like the different cultures, how they just, how even people live or sleep, how they eat or mm. walk, how they, you know, we get so caught up in what we are, you know, I am the person going to Whole Foods right now. I am the person going to work right now. There's so much out there. I think that travel and nature, but travel too, if you're having a problem with understanding other people. Mm. Yeah, that's actually one of my, we talked about last week, that's, I want to start this nonprofit that takes kids traveling in the summer. Mm. Um, like it's like celebrity athletes to pay for it and stuff. Mm. Um, I call it magic school bus. Wow. And like you just take these kids from like it, kind of inner city, but also like remote parts of the U.S. where they never left their state and like just take them and just like sponsor all these kids traveling more. And I think that alone will change like the IQ level of our country to be a little more where we need it to be, you know, in terms well, of like kids being more open minded, aware of what's out there. Because it can have a life changing impact when you travel when you're young and uh, when you're exposed to that kind of thing. You should start in Chicago. There's many, many neighborhoods. Pilsen's an example where the children have never even been downtown. That's what I mean. Like even these so art nice. walks that I do once a month, like we have people who are, live in Chicago their whole life and they're like, yeah, I never really been to Pilsen to yeah. just check it out. So like, I thought this was cool. So like, that's why I do the art walks and then that's why I want to start, you know, sponsoring more kids traveling. But uh, travel is, I guess, what I'm most passionate about and that's wow. why I do quite a bit of it but um, it also you know I, I was blessed to start young doing it but I think once you travel a lot and you you get to enjoy leading people so it sounds like you're starting to lead people or you have been leading people quite a while on these journeys uh, and that's maybe one reason why you have a great business there so let's get to that like so you love animals but you also love barbecue or else you wouldn't be able to do what you do. So, um, well, <laughs> honky tonk is my husband's yeah. barbecue restaurant, Willie Wagner. And he's like an amazing pit master and he's won a lot of awards. He's, uh, won, uh, Memphis in May for his pork butt and, you know, pork shoulder, whatever you want to call it. And, um, he's won a bunch of rib contests in Chicago and, uh, he's really good at that. And I always ask him like, how did you learn how to do that? And he, as well I had to eat he's the oldest of 11 11 so yeah he's the oldest of 11 he had to feed the kids I guess. so yeah he well he, he, when you're that old when you have that many kids if you want to eat you got to cook <laughs> and then it becomes worth spending all that time making a slow cook on a brisket yeah because you got all that exactly the brisket is going to get eaten so well he literally can talk to the brisket I you know you're talking to him you'll have a conversation you're having a conversation with him to go oh gotta go check the meat and I don't know how he knows when 
things are done. He it's like a sixth sense and oh, it just kills him if it's not perfect. I mean, he uh, had a party not long ago where he cooked overnight in outside. We have a cooker outside and he cooked outside and it's like a big rotisserie. It's a giant thing. And, um, and it, when he went to it and it wasn't perfect, I thought he was going to cry. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, because he just really loves yeah. making great barbecue. He really does. I kind of do the background stuff for him, so I'm not really... You help run the restaurant, the right, staffing right. stuff. I refuse to learn how to make meat. Well, no, that's like a special skill yes. that you learn over time and like let him... Ha like, yeah. There's a reason that's called like a pit master. Yes, right? like, he's the pit master. Yeah, like you don't, you don't like half-ass try to become uh -huh. a pit master. Oh, I'm going to help out. No, like there's someone that's a very defined skill and, and very talent. respected. It's a talent and yeah. a skill. You know, you have to develop both of them. Well... What is so different? <laughs> we have a good philosophical here, a talent and a skill. A talent is more God-gifted, like you're born with it, and right. then the skills you work on. It, right, and if you have a talent, you have to develop the skills around it. Right. So if you, you know, and some people can, you know, have like an amazing talent, something that nobody else can do, but sometimes you have a skill and you make it into a talent. I mean, you kind of have to think about it, like, because it takes both. It's just like you don't just have opportunity without luck. Right. So you're talking about like how much of your skill set is how much you effort were, you were natural. Yeah. Like, right. Did you put the effort in, or were you you just kind of like you just kind of like uh, skated by and right. because you it was easy for you? But like if you would just put in a little more effort, it's kind of like basketball players. But as an example, like basketball players are are gifted with height, you know, and certain athletic skills. But like if they don't practice they don't like to shoot and right. practice shooting and practice their their drills like they're not going to make the nba no matter what how talented they are so i think that's kind of but you could also have a truly talented person that didn't have the right opportunity or didn't have the right luck to meet the right person and they could have been michael jordan you know plus and they just missed that opportunity or at honky tonk we have live music all the time and i see this a lot where you see really, really talented musicians that don't become famous or don't become rich and they're still working, you know, job to job. And I just think it really is just the luck of where you were standing mm. in so many ways. Yeah. I mean, because if you didn't have the right mentor to help you, like for instance, as a basketball player, if you didn't have that right mentor that helped you saw your talent and helped you hone it mm. with the skill, then how would they, you know, how would that person get ahead? Yeah. That's why travel is huge because just like changing your position, uh, in the world, like you expose yourself to so many more opportunities. Just, oh, yeah. The more you travel, you never know who you might meet. You never know what opportunity you might uncover. So travel period. And that's why I live with a very active lifestyle. I can move about just cause like you never know what, opportunities you might expose yourself to just by living an active lifestyle yeah. right so yeah. um you know that's pretty powerful honky tonk i remember my first time when i went to nashville i was like what are what is all these honky tonks like what is this honky tonk like mm -hmm. honky tonks everywhere so like did, is that where the name came from do you guys like do a lot of travel in the south like is your husband quite traveled well or? honky tonk is a type of music it's a type of music right and Live it's music. just an, an amazing type of music but I, you know, now you hear, you know, songs about honky tonk, but in, you know, the Johnny Cash days, you really, 
you know, got the real feeling for it. So we wanted to be, uh, I think that my husband took all of his interests, like uh, local music. He was always a big fan of local music, and he was always a big promoter of it. Um, barbecue, which he loves to make, and friends and family. And, I mean, he took it and he made it into a business, which is kind of an example of taking your talents and your interests and your hobbies and I think that's the best business to take and because then you don't work really actually you don't work it's, it's not hard right you know it's I mean I take care of animals seven days a week but it's never hard because yeah. it's something that you would be doing it even if it wasn't making money it's my, yeah it's part of my life so. so that's the key I mean finding things in life that you're really not just like waiting around for a paycheck you're you're actually you would be doing that anyways, you know, like yeah. you'd be talking to people anyways, you'd be, um, with the animals anyway. So, uh, I mean, that's, yeah, you seem like you guys just, you have, you were passionate. And I think obviously you found someone who's passionate too. And I think passionate people like passionate people, you know, I mean, that's well, most that's what, of the time. Yeah, yeah. That's why I love interviewing cool people who have passions because, uh, we all learn something from someone who's passionate. Even if you haven't found your passion, just listening to other people who are passionate, it, it's incredible like how much energy you can get from that and um you never know like what what you might get inspired to go check out you know i like to like kind of like definitely expose people to opportunities for different events and things going on um but i think yeah I mean, if you don't have a passion yet i'd say you probably haven't experienced enough maybe like you yeah probably... exactly I, I agree with you <laughs> that you have to like experience a bunch of different things before you find it do you feel, I feel that my passion comes from like a core. I would describe it like a, like a, like if you were looking at it, it would be like a metal core that goes through the center of my body. And when I'm passionate about something, it's like red hot, like, like lava. And it, and it powers my body mm -hmm. and how I think and what I can do and how much I can do. I feel like that's. I can feel that core in me when I light it. It's, it makes me just accomplish that much more. Mm. Yeah, it's like uh, it's energy without calories. You know, you're just there like you inspired. You know, yeah. like you just like flow. You, you yeah. ever hear of flow? Yeah, I love flow. I love this guy. That guy that that Mikhail? talks about Mikhail. His <laughs> uh, uh, hard last names. Mixed. Uh, wait. Um, yeah. Sent me high. Mikhail C. No, no, you're saying the first word wrong. It's um, uh, Mikhail Mixent Mick because it's the same word. First, he's like, I know it's like Michael in English, but it's it's a C, right? His last name is a C. Mikhail It's like a huge long last name. Yeah. Anyway, I read his book. I also read um, there's a great book called. I saw talk once. He was really amazing. Really yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, I'm forgetting. But like the <laughs> book that he wrote. Yeah, there was another book about um, kind of. Uh, Mihai Mixent Mihai. Mihai. Sure. Mihai. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Sure, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, now I'm forgetting it. But there, he wrote this other book just about um, oh, the evolving self. It's called, and it talks about like our duty as humans to like become more complex individuals. And to like keep developing ourselves, you know, like sometimes, yeah, school forces you to develop a little bit. Parents force you sometimes when you're young, but like sometimes once we, once we hit the industry and we have a paycheck, 
we just become like just like dumb ignorant people again and like we kind of have a duty to keep exposing to keep challenging ourselves to grow to keep taking on new skills to keep taking lessons like you should never stop taking lessons no matter what like you should always be having Learning. some kind of lesson like you should keep growing somehow and so it's hard you know it's not necessarily easy like i i took like piano lessons last year and even though i didn't like it that much um like i take spanish lessons like learn spanish but like you should be growing somehow and that's like your duty you know and that's that was mikhail was like just a genius so i mean that's difficult it's not easy but it makes for a more fulfilling life that way um and so i think you know that's that's one key is we all got to challenge ourselves to be better and i I think you know if you listen to the, the local voices podcast you hear passionate people yes but like sometimes it's like you know what i'm gonna like i'm actually gonna I think that sounded fun that they were learning how to do this, that. I'm going to go learn how to do this, that. I think we could all be growing more, you know, and, and I think COVID. Sharing more. Like, like yeah. you got to put some people under your wing. You've got you've to pass on what you know. I mean, that's really, that's one of the most important things. And right. so it's not just learning. It's being a facilitator for others. Ah, true. It's also like, at some because level. there's you... not that many people that do that. That, that's, that's. An issue for me is that there's not that many people that share what they're able to do. They feel like it's mm. only limited to them, and that's right. Like I guess it's like not like oh, you just have to say oh, you know, once you're in the second half of your life, it's time to give back. No, even when you're like twenty, thirty, if no. you have developed some certain skill sets, you can help others who are younger. Who it comes back to like being an, a, a ready and available mentor and like almost seeking it out, you know, like looking to take other people under your wing or slash looking to help others who you think you can help. You know, like it's like if you just ask every day, like, you know, who can I help today? Or like who, yeah, who can I help today is like a very powerful question to ask yourself. And it's like, yeah, like no matter where you are in life, like you are blessed in some way and you can give back in some way and you can, you know, be a mentor to the youth. You can be a big brother, a big sister. You can do all kinds of things. So I think we got to like, we gotta like kind of like challenge ourselves to be better, you know, and and not just binge watch TV all day, but like live a more fulfilling life than that. Um, and so I think you know listening to passionate people is something just very small, but it helps. You know, it helps especially when they're locals and they're people you can hang out with. So like, I actually still haven't had the barbecue yet because we were in Pilsen, but we ended up going to the other restaurant. But I, I'm gonna get, try some of that brisket. Let you know how it is. Um, but like. I still want to go back to Pilsen just to hang out with you guys. Um, is the restaurant, are you guys finally going to be open soon? Or? We opened today. Today was our Outside. first day. Yeah, When's was, live music going to be back? Um, I don't know. I would say probably more in the fall. Okay. Yeah, you guys are taking your time with it. Uh, you know what? We do a lot of weddings in the uh, we in the secret garden. The secret garden yeah. that we all went to, yeah. Yeah, we do a lot of weddings there. And I, I you know, there's only so much... I'll tell you, there's a lot of people that really looked at their lives. I think that COVID was so good. This break was so good for all of us because for a second we had to stop. We were almost at this frenzied pace. And I don't know anybody that didn't feel this way that, you know, they they didn't even know what they were doing anymore. Just working, working, working. And I think that um, a lot of people changed what they were doing with their life. And, um, changed their career, changed their, the city they lived in. 
And so we're having a lot of problem getting people to work yeah. because we just, you know, there's just not the same people out there because they really looked at their life. And I think that's really great. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, all the, except for opening up a restaurant, it's really great. Yeah. It's uh, you got to pay more now or you got to have these fancy little getaways for the staff, you know, like, <laughs> well, actually, um, we've been paying $15 minimum for many years for a couple of years already. And I, I'll be real honest. I think that uh, anybody that thinks that 15 is enough to live on, 15 an hour is enough to live on, I would I would challenge them to do it. Mm. So when you say that maybe we should pay people $15 an hour minimum and the federal minimum is $7.40 an hour, you're, you really are trying to keep some people poor mm. and that's just not fair. I mean, yeah. people need to live and because they, they also have families and they also have children and they have a house and they eat food and they do everything that anybody that makes $30 an hour does or $50 an hour or crazy Bezo money, you know, anybody that does that, you know, we just have to remember that there's people that really are struggling and $15 an hour is not a lot to ask. and. It should, we should all be generously saying that that is the minimum wage we will pay anyone, mm. period. And let's go up from there. Yeah. Well, that's becoming required to, to fill these vacancies because like a lot of the, the workforce, you know, with you know, government was very generous over COVID. So I think we're, we're kind of trending that way, which is good. But uh, yeah, I mean, definitely it's become more competitive in the, in the service industry for to hire people. So it's so great because right now, and I don't, I don't know if this has ever been true, but I think workers right now have an advantage. Yeah, I've read that. And I too. really feel good about that because, you know, that's what our country is built on is workers. It's not built on corporations like Walmart and mm. Target. It's built on the small business and the people that work every day. I mean, and we really... We need to look back on that because yeah. the corporations do not care about us. <laughs> no, and it's great when people have feel like they have a lot of options, and that way they can find something that yeah. resonates with their heart and their soul, and then find something that uh, could be more long term, more fulfilling. So I think that's great. I think we're we're at a good point in the, in the nation for that. Um, but uh, let's bring it back to you, Beth. So we often at this point we ask like something like habit related or like your character. So like. What's something kind of unique about you? Like, do you have any like good morning habits? Do you have any habits in general that that's a Beth habit? Like, that's what I do. Oh, uh, I think that um, my greatest uh, accomplishment, or it's not even an accomplishment, but like my greatest character thing trait. is that trait is that I'm really very curious. Mm. Like every day, I'm curious. I'm curious. It doesn't matter. Like if I have a conversation with you. I'll think about it and I'll look something up about it. I'll try to find out about it. I'll mm. try to look at ways that, you know, that affects my life or how did that work? I mean, I, I feel that uh, curiosity is probably the most important trait you can develop yeah. because when you're curious, you're never bored. You always have, I don't know, I feel like I've lived more than one life because I'm very curious about things and I'll just go one direction and start working on that and yeah. or find out about that so i i would say that um uh 
my curiosity is just the most wonderful thing about me and mm. if you knew raccoons you would realize that that would be a perfect totem animal for me You're they're the most curious okay. of animals i could see that um actually that's great because it's one of our i i developed three core values for the podcast it's curiosity activity and generosity oh wow i hit all three yeah, of those yeah, yeah. Full so speed. and I, I tend to find those kinds of people and uh, a lot of times curiosity is a lot of times it, it starts in the youth like a lot of reading and you know because reading you're learning information you're digesting information so and then once you if you've read enough books when you're younger you get to the point where you're like wow google is such a gift oh can, my god i can search a, things uh, and it just comes to me and i get like I can read about random things that I'm curious about. I'm not just like one of those zombies on Facebook just scrolling and then being controlled. Like, no, I'm actively making queries, you know? Right. Like, I'm actually searching for things that I think are interesting. Like, I took my... It takes your own active impulse to, like, search something on Google. You know, right. I think, like, that's even like a... You tally curiosity by, like, how many unique Google searches did you make today? And like, like what, what are you curious about? Like, like not just like, oh, what did you fall into because of social media? It's like, no, like what did you actively search for on Google? You know? Well, I love libraries and I used to travel around the country because it, people don't really realize that each library, and I don't know if this is true anymore because we have Google, but each library is very different and they specialize in different things. So you could literally go to a library and find different uh, subjects that you would want to, you know, become an expert on. I don't know. It was very interesting to me. But when I was a kid, the Chicago Public Library had a hotline. And you could call the hotline. And, of course, they knew me there because I always had a question. And you would call the hotline and you'd say, uh, you know, this is a stupid question, but, uh, you know, explain to me why um, the, the War of 1812 happened. And they would say, hold on a minute, and they would go and they would get a book, because there was no Google, and I'm 62, and they would go and get a book, and they would come back. Sometimes you had to wait a long time, and they would come back, but I was constantly on this phone with these people, because I would have so many questions, That's awesome. and they were like so amazing. Like They were never homework questions. They were questions I had, and they would go there, and then they would like it was just like Google would read you something and then you would be and sometimes I would talk to them about how can I get the books for that or what would I look for and they would help you so it was like this great hotline I don't think they have it anymore but oh yeah that's that's pretty but, cool but the Oracle I always call Google the Oracle I mean I must ask the Oracle like 50 questions a day I mean if something comes up I have to know the complete we were driving uh, on our way to a show in, in uh, Love's Park, and there's the Annie Glidden Road. And I'm like, how did she get a road with both her first name and her last name? You know, like Annie Glidden. How can you not want to know who she is? And I was like, Google. And Google told me that Annie Glidden was this amazing farmer. This woman, she lived 100 years. She lived out by the Rockford area. She just, it was such an amazing story about this woman. I was like, she deserved an, a road. Yeah, yeah, you were whatever. like, you were like, I wonder how many will pass that road and never Never ask. think about it. But I could not have done that. Like, if I go to a school and I end up at the Richard Yates school, I'm like, I want to know who Richard Yates wow. is. How did he get that school, you know? 
So, you know, and and you find, you find some really, really interesting stories. And then I can't stop. I'm really, New York Times crossword's really dangerous for me. Like it's really fun because as you go, you're like all of a sudden lost in some subject that you didn't even know you, you didn't even know existed. So you do pretty well in jail, I'd say. (laughs) (laughs) With all the books and things like there's some people who are really think about that sometimes. (laughs) Like, man, I would really catch up. Some of the most curious people actually would do pretty well in jail. Uh, Maybe if they have for some reason life puts them there. But uh, anyway, that's like a thought I had. It's like curiosity. That's like all you got in jail, you know. But uh, anyhow, so we're at the point podcast where. Talk about some of your favorite other restaurants or businesses. Obviously, it seems like you're a fan of the library. Is there any other like Chicago businesses that you know you respect? You and Willie oh, respect? Yeah. Or... Um, I don't know if, if you've. Uh, we were talking a little bit about the Half Shell before. Um, like I'm 62, so that place is 52 years old. I've been going there since I was 10, and um, it's got the best food. You'll never go there where the food isn't exactly the same. And I have so many great memories there, and including the people that owned it. Uh, one of the last original owners just died, and now uh, their their son and nephew took over, and he's amazing. So you should go to the Half Shell. Um, it's a little basement place, and get the 32-pointer. Mm-hmm. And that's like all these different seafoods together. Or get their salad. It's delicious. That would be like my... My go-to place, I think, if I said, oh, oh, make sure you bring cash, though. Yeah, it's cash only. I, I, had, yeah. I mean, they have ATM in the back. And then they have um, the best. First time I ever had a drink, I had a drink there. My grandma and I sat at that bar and had whiskey sours. And so I love going there and having a whiskey sour. And they make the best whiskey sours. That's great. So So that's your, yeah, that's, I mean, it's very different from your barbecue that you're, that you're, you're in that world all the time, so like to go to seafood places is nice for you, probably. I, I think you know it's um, kind of like um, people think that maybe because I have animals that live on a farm, or people think that um, because we do barbecue that I think uh, that they think we're only into meat. But if you look at our menu, it's a lot of non-meat items that are you mean even the sides? vegan. Yeah, the yeah. sides and everything, and we have things that are non that are vegan and vegetarian. And I would say I tend towards that a little more than, uh, I mean, I eat meat, but I just like fresh, good food. Mm. And um, so that's probably, I would say that's my favorite place, Half Shell. Okay. What's your favorite getaway out of Chicago for like nature, like State Park or? Mm. Uh, I probably would have to say Volo Bogs. It's uh, up north and um, they have... uh, I haven't been there for a long time, but used to be able to walk out on almost rafts into the middle of the um, of the bog, and you could see a lot of different animals there, really a lot of different mm. animals. And it's an example of a place where, well, they have even um, plants that are like Venus flytrap plants mm-hmm. that eat things, eat like flies and everything, and uh, carnivorous plants. That's what I was going to say. And, um, but you go there and you really realize now that's a very balanced environment right there. But, you know, we have a lot of uh, great forest preserves and everybody should take more advantage of them and go really in and get stra- scratched up by some branches and explore and get muddy. Um, but Indiana Dunes, I mean, you can't beat that. Every time you go there, you're all by yourself. 
You know, something you can bear. walk a bear out there I've walked many a bear you still have a bear you know no, no bears now but I've walked bears, bears before <laughs> that was the wildest thing you ever owned like was um, a bear I mean like crazy like a crazy animal let me think I mean raccoons are the no most powerful thing you owned That's oh yeah yeah probably, probably or probably the monkeys the monkeys are really monkeys are oh, really yeah. difficult and a little scary they can change they're very like humans they change their mind in an instant mm. and one minute they're your friends and the next minute they're yeah. peeling the back of your head did you ever bring them by the convent like yeah, yeah. Why, what's the story of this convent like why we got, we checked it out on our walk like why did you guys own that or like uh, how did you come into that well it was for sale it was for sale and you just yeah. knew about it and um it had originally been the saint procopius convent 1968 they sold it to this family that um were a Czech family, and it was right when the Velvet Revolution happened, and so they uh, took the uh, took over, and they decided because there were like thirty six nuns lived in there, and they decided that they would make it into an SRO, like a single room only with the bathroom down the road, and um, so they put a sink in every single room. <laughs> it was crazy, and um, and then. The neighborhood turned into an Hispanic neighborhood, into a Mexican neighborhood. And when it changed to a Mexican neighborhood, um, the Czech people moved to Berwyn and uh, Cicero and lived there. There's a big community there. So what happened is, is that these people kind of were lost in this neighborhood. Their friends had left. They lived in the um, building like a compound almost. You know, the the gates were all locked and the windows were nailed shut and the doors were had these weird devices to get in and so um when the uh, mom was put in a nursing home they put it for sale and and we had just we couldn't believe such a great thing because it's like having wild a wild area and I don't even think you saw the other yard. Yeah, I did. You were all very proud of the other, other yard. Oh, uh, the other the, yard is the real... The... Well, it was less colorful to me. I, I like when the other yard had flowers and stuff. It's kind of uh, like walking into well, Austria the... is like what I would describe it. It's like kind of like, yeah. like oh, the sound of music, Austrian you know? Like, friends would love it's that. like walking into Austria when you walk in the convent. Yeah, and all that yeah. Kind of but the one yard is wild. Yeah. And that's where the that's where the butterflies come and like droves. Oh, yeah. and, and it doesn't have the same flowers because it's planted so that it brings animals and that's why you like it yeah and the other yard is is planted with the flowers so that people like it yeah so it's kind of so you like hanging out on the wild side <laughs> yeah i kind of do that's awesome both of the sides are wonderful yeah it's, it's really a vortex of really good energy you can't not have a great time at the garden it really well i feel like you you cross worlds don't you like it's you you do well in society and then you also you're able to go into the wilderness. I'm also a wild and, person, and yeah. And you love it there, too. So, mm -hmm. um, Speaking of wild people, who are uh, who are some other people in Chicago who would be fun to interview for me? Like, other cool people who uh, make the city what it is. Um, I have a friend. Uh, uh, her name's Nina, and she has uh, uh, the Insect Asylum. You might like to talk to her. Okay. She's a really... What's the insect asylum? The insect asylum is she's saved like all these different insects, like thousands of them, you know, where she pins them and identifies them. And... They're like dead, frozen. Yeah. Yeah. Right now she's working on a project 
like a movie project where she's uh, uh, doing something with skins of animals, you know, so like she's good at taxidermy and hmm. so she's good with animals. She'd be cool. Yeah, she'd be cool. And then uh, who's that famous mayor that you love so much? Mayor Daly. Mayor Daly. He still lives in Chicago? Oh my God, if you interview him. Yeah? Yeah. I'm going to be I, there. Just think of some excuse for me to go. Yeah, I'll invite you for dinner. Man. You'll be the third wheel. Usually I'll get third wheel for yeah, dinner. Yeah, I love that. Oh, yeah. I, I know how to get the mayors of towns. you got to like email and then make uh, friends with staffers. Hurry up and, and get him because he's getting old. Yeah. No, I'll, re- I'll, I'll reach out. Say, uh, Beth. Beth would really love to hear Beth more Bishop. about your Beth Bishop. your life story. That's, that's your maiden name? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, cool, Beth. This has been fun. Yeah, uh, sure was. I'm looking forward to trying the barbecue from Willie. And uh, yeah, thanks for... It was an amazing yeah. first experience for the, the whole Art Walk community. And um, we'll be doing another one uh, coming up soon. So uh, not everyone is as cool as you. So, But I hope I get to meet <laughs> someone else cool in like Logan Square or West Loop. There's but, cool people you know, everywhere. Yeah. Definitely, Chicago has some pretty cool people. Uh, and pretty, friendly. Pretty breezy, you know. Um, so it's going to be fun. And yeah, you are quite special, quite a character. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to meeting some of your animals as well. Well, thank you. Stop on by. I will.